Back in the olden days, um, 1984 to be exact, that's the olden days I'm talking about, uh, Ginny was pregnant, which, by the way, I highly recommend for all of you um, couples, you know, 60 and under. Hey, hey, hey. If it's over 60, I'll still support you. It's okay. It's, uh, I just, I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, more, more kids is just, I think it'd be great. But anyway, um, so she was expecting, and we were discussing names at that point. Um, now, this was before they did ultrasounds, you know, regular ultrasound testing. Even when they did ultrasounds, this is um, what our ultrasound looked like. And, and here's what the doctor did. Oh, see, there's the head. And then they would do this. See right here. Here's the head. Dude, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what you're looking at, but that ain't a head, you know. Uh, yeah, you know but this is, you know, the, the good old days. And so we weren't sure if we were having a boy or a girl. Uh, at that point, you know, that's the, the, the good old-fashioned way, and, and, you know, we really didn't have any idea. So we were discuss we had to discuss both uh, male and female names. Now, for a girl's name, I, I was lobbying for Mindy. I thought Marcy, Mandy, Mindy, it just seemed to make sense to me. Uh, Jenny wasn't a fan, but, um, you know, then we, so we hadn't really settled on, on a girl's name, and um, so then we were talking about boys' names. Jenny wanted to name a son uh, Patrick Michael, and I, I didn't want that. I didn't want, if any of you want to do it, I'd be thrilled. But anyway, uh, yeah, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want my son being called Junior, although I've called him Junior for years. Uh, you know, we didn't want him, I, you know, I didn't want him stuck with the, with the name Junior. Uh, I just didn't want that. So we settled on the name Peter because um, then he'd have the same initials as me, and so when I die, he can have my, all my junk, and he won't have to scratch out any of the, any of the initials, you know, that I put on there, uh, you know, and, and he would have it all. Uh, now, I, I started to think about this as I was, we were going, I was going through the names of all the apostles uh, that we've been looking at there. See, I got these spots on my, I keep looking at these spots from the, from the projector. They're really going to mess me up. And think, what happened? What happened? I have dandruff and it's moving. Uh, anyway, um, so maybe we won't use this next week. Yeah, I probably still will. Anyway, so, you know, we're looking at, here's, here's the passages that we started with from Luke chapter 6. It says, During those days as he went out to a mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God, when daylight came, he summoned his disciples and he chose 12 of them. He also named them apostles. Simon, who we also named Peter and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, called the Zealot, Judas, uh, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now, I have known a lot of men named Peter. Uh, my grandfather was named Peter. You know, so I, he's, he's the first one I remember. But I've known a lot of men named Peter. I also know several Andrews. Uh, we have more than one Andrew here in church today even. Uh, my brother is the first in a long line of, of men named James that I know. And then, uh, you know, the name, I know men named John, and that list would be long enough to rival uh, those I know who are named James. I know several men named Philip. Um, I have met 
man named Bart, and I'm just assuming that, you know, at least one of them that was short for Bartholomew. Uh, I know more than one Matthew, and I know more than one Thomas, and I even know a Matthew Thomas. Uh, you know, um, but I, I do not, I've not, I, I have seen, but I have not personally met uh, someone named Simon, um, but I've never met a man... <laughs> Is that the orange plug? Oh, Kelvin's taking care of that. Well, shoot in a couple. Shoot in a couple nails right there. <laughs> it's a. They were working yesterday. See, that's. Um, But as I was saying, I never met anyone named Judas, and maybe I wasn't supposed to say this next line. I am aware of a heavy metal group named Judas Priest, and maybe I, maybe that was uh, supposed to cover that line. I don't know. But um, um, Jesus had two apostles uh, named, named Judas. Uh, Judas, the son of James, John refers to him as Judas, not Iscariot. Uh, we looked at him two weeks ago. Uh, then there is Judas Iscariot, the apostle we're going to look at today. And just in case you're wondering, um, don't be like this guy. Uh, you know, he's the one we're not to be like. Let's pray, and we're going to look at his life a little bit more. Father, thank you for the way you have put your hand on us. We don't always look at it as the fact that you have called us, but uh, yet here we are because for some reason, in some way or another, you have touched our lives. You have uh, brought us together here. Maybe it's just to learn more. Maybe we're still seeking uh, in some ways, all of us are still seeking. And what we would like is that you would continue to open our minds and our hearts that the things that we go over today would help us to see you more clearly, would help us to see ourselves more clearly. That might be a little unpleasant for us, but it's something that's necessary as well. So use your word and teach, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. So as you think of Judas Iscariot, why in the world would Jesus pick Judas Iscariot as an apostle? I mean, didn't he know that Judas would betray him? Didn't he know that Judas's heart was not with him? Uh, let me start by telling you the bias that I approach this with. Now, we all approach everything with a bias. So you would do yourself a couple of favors if you realized some of the biases you do take into situations and take into life, and we all approach something with a bias. It's not always bad. It can be a good thing. You know, having a bias can be a good thing. Uh, it's always there. We need to realize that. Now, one of the, what, what you need to realize, here's my bias on this, and my, my bias is that I believe Jesus never made a mistake, that he's never wrong, that he never chose poorly. And I think that will hold up to investigation. I think as you look at, at, at his word, I think as you, as you follow and you see what Jesus did, I think you will find that that is, that that is true. He is God. He is part of the Trinity. One God in three persons. It's not three gods. It's one God. Uh, you know, it, each one is an individual and each one is fully God. Jesus remained God while he was here, while he was incarnate on earth for a time. Um, you know, if you're confused by this, uh, you know, 
just talk to me. I'd be happy to talk to you about it sometime. You know, if you if you really want to, just let me know. Now, Jesus did not make a mistake in choosing Judas. You know that that to me is very clear. He didn't in choosing Judas Iscariot as an apostle. He did not make a mistake, and I think you'll see that as we move on. Now, Judas is named last in the three of the four lists of the apostles that appear in Scripture. Uh, in the fourth list, which appears in the book of Acts, Judas isn't even mentioned in that list as, as one of the apostles. In his book, Twelve Ordinary Men, John MacArthur says this about Judas. He says, Judas stands as a warning about the evil potential of spiritual carelessness, squandered opportunity, sinful lusts, and hardness of the heart. How would you like that to be the summary of your life? I mean, how would you like that to be, to be the best bad example that there, that there is? You know, to have that, this as the summary of your life. How would you like to be that this is the way you were remembered? Judas Iscariot, he had every advantage, he had every opportunity that all of the apostles experienced. He, he had a, a close relationship with Jesus. He saw Jesus' miracles firsthand. I mean, he had a good seat for those miracles to see what was going on. He saw Jesus' wisdom. He saw his discernment. You know, he, he saw that all in action, and yet he remained at a spiritual distance, his heart unopened to God by his time and his acquaintance with Jesus. It didn't, it didn't seem to open his heart at all. He never embraced the truth by faith. We have no indication that he ever embraced the truth by faith. Now, the name Judas is a form of Judah, which means praised. It seems that his parents at least had high hopes for him when he was born. Uh, I think we probably all do for our kids. I, don't, I haven't met anyone that when I've gone to see him in the hospital, I said, well, this kid's going to grow up to be an idiot. You know, uh, There's some commercials that are on TV now that really will get your attention. It's about opioid addiction. And uh, they have different ones. And in uh, one, there's a, a kid who stands up to do, give, uh, you, you assume the He's giving an address to a graduating class. He assumes he's a valedictorian, and he just says, you know, you know, I, I just appreciate what I could do here, you know, as an athlete and all that, and uh, I'm going to go on to college, and you think I'm going to graduate. He says, but I'm not. He said, I'm going to pull a hamstring, you know, my first year, and they're going to put me on opioids and uh, for painkillers, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, you know, addicted before that's over. And in one, of the, in one of those commercials, this young lady speaking at a graduation party, and she looks around and she says, and all of these friends will be here at my funeral. And it just really gets, it really gets, your, you know, it really gets your attention. How is it that you want to be remembered? Judas you know, had all the opportunities here, but he never embraced that truth by faith. You know, he, had, he had that opportunity. And I'm sure his parents had high hopes for him. He's named Judas. Now, Iscariot means a man of Kerioth, which was it's probably the town he was from. There was a small town. There was a small town with that name that was uh, south of Judea. Uh, uh, excuse me, south uh, yeah, of Judea. It, it seems that Judea is an area of Galilee that Judas Iscariot was the only one uh, not possibly from a town in Galilee. Uh, and he was able to work his way into a place of trust, a place, uh, you know, eventually serving as treasure, uh, though he was a dishonest one. Turn to John chapter 12, if you will, page 990 in your pew Bible. John chapter 12 talks about him serving as treasurer. Well, they don't say he was the treasurer. He says he was keeper of the money bag, some of the translations. And it talks about him, and it talks about his dishonesty there. John chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. 
We're going to turn to a couple other passages as we move through this today as well. Some will be on the screen, but some we're going to turn to. Uh, John chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, uh, the one who Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving them, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of fragrant oil, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Then one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, Why wasn't the fragrant oil sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and was still part of what was put into it. Now, two weeks ago, we saw that, that Jesus had a close, loving relationship with Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Uh, he spent time with them. This is one of the times where he spent time with them, eating in their home, uh, you know, being together with them. It was not unusual for Jesus and his apostles, you know, to, to be there and to be with him. Uh, he's in their home, you know, earlier, if you remember, and uh, Mary sat at, at her feet, at his feet, and Martha complained because she was doing all the work and said, you know, Lord, make her help me, you know. And Jesus said, Mary chose the better thing, you know, to be able to sit and learn, uh, you know, and, and not, not to be, you know, all distracted by this other stuff. Uh, but Mary was a little aggravated at that point. It seems here, you know, that Mary still wasn't helping Martha. It says she anointed his feet with pure and expensive nard, and it says its fragrance filled the whole the whole place. One of the things I've been enjoying, actually, about the remodel, I like the smell of, of wood, of new wood, and of woodworking. I just like that smell. And when I come in, I, you know, I come in the, the side door. Well, I come in that way, set up, turn off the alarm, come back, walk outside, and come in this way. Um, and as soon as I open that door, I, I, I get that smell of that new wood. And I just like that. I mean, to me, that's a great smell. If you don't like it, You'll learn, but um, you know the. Uh, you'll learn that I'm right later. Anyhow, uh, you know it's just and, and here you know so she has this and, and it, it says it filled the whole place and that and well then Judas gets a little honked off and says hey why don't we sell this you know why don't we sell this and and three hundred denarii and give money to the poor now it tells us that he didn't really care about the poor he just kind of wanted his cut of the three hundred. Uh, denarii that that's equal so you have an idea that's equal to about a year's wages so just you know we're, we're, this is tax time some of you already did your taxes some of you didn't some of you said tax time <laughs> what's he talking about uh you know but uh, so just think of what you made last year think of you know how much of that you would spend on it. So, um i was trying to think what's the most expensive thing i ever bought jenny uh, i don't know but i can tell you this it didn't cost a year's wages. It didn't. I mean, even if you want to, even if, even if by some odd stretch of the imagination we could pretend that I bought that van for her, you know, and this was a, a, a gift to her, that didn't cost a year's wages, you know. I mean, it, it, I, I was trying to think, you know. And so here it is. And uh, Judas sees this as a waste, it says, because he loved money. 
Jesus warned them about the dangers of loving money. In Matthew chapter 6, part of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Uh, but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where, neither, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And, and uh, Judas's heart was with the finances, not with Jesus. It was with how much he could get, not with Jesus. And so there was part of the struggle for him. There was part of his struggle because, you see, Jesus didn't have his heart. God didn't have his heart. His heart wasn't there at all. He goes on. He says, the eye, of the, lamp, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if that light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? If what you think, if what you think is... Is, is true. If you're chasing a lie thinking that is the truth, you are doubly deceived, he says. How deep is that darkness? How dark that really is. There was a song, man, I wish I could remember the name of it, but it, one of the lines in it talks about what if we've fallen in a well thinking that we've risen to the top of a mountain? You know, this is, a lot of people are in that place. Judas was in that place. He goes on, he says, and no one can be a slave to two masters since he will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and of money. And he was telling him very clear. Here's a warning very clearly to Judas, you know, among others. I mean, he was, he was teaching his apostles. He was teaching the, you know, the crowds that were there. Judas was part of that crowd that was there. Judas was one of the guys who would have had a good seat uh, to be able to hear this. And he's telling him, you can't, you can't be, you can't be slaves to both. You can't do it. You still can't do it. You still can't serve God and, and money. If your goal is to get rich, you are going to struggle in your relationship with God. That's just a fact of life. But here Judas doesn't take any of this to heart. When Paul wrote to Timothy about leading the church in Ephesus, he told him, he said, you know, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many, with many pains. This is very often misquoted as money is the root of all evil. That isn't what it says, is it? It says the love of money. If that is what you're pursuing, if that is what takes priority over God to you, he said there is going to be all sorts of, notice what he says, you know, that there's going to be all kinds of evil not just bad choices but evil you know this is this is you know this is beyond oops i made a mistake this is evil notice what he says what happens is they wandered away from the faith why because you see we don't always realize it at first we don't always realize it. We, you know, we, we, we begin, we begin, you know, maybe this little subtly or something, and but then it, it grows. You see, it grows, and, and we begin craving this. Now we could debate whether Judas ever actually had any faith, but we will see that he's pierced himself with, with many pains. He sat right there and listened. And never applied it. You see, when God tells you something, when God teaches you something, apply it to your living. Apply it to your living. Don't just pile it in as more knowledge. Make it a part of your living. 
If this is what God says, make it a part of your living, what he says. Don't just, you know, don't, don't just say, well, I know I got that. Bing, bing, you know, check that one off. You know, make it a part of your living, of how you live, of how you exist. Don't simply listen and then ignore it. It seems Judas hid his hypocrisy uh, quite well. Because at the Last Supper, when Jesus told them none of them would, that one of them would betray him, um, nobody pointed a finger at Judas. In fact, it, it was quite the opposite. He said, Jesus replied, he, you know, as he's talking and he's saying about the one who would betray him, he says, he's the one that I give this piece of bread to after I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas, Simon Iscariot's son. After Judas ate the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Therefore, Jesus told him, what you're doing, do quickly. None of those reclining at the table knew why he had told him this. Why? Because they trusted Judas. It says, since Judas kept the money bag, some thought that Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the festival, or that he should give something to the poor. They trusted Judas with their money. They, you know, they trusted him enough that they let him leave without any questions. They let him leave there without any questions at all. Now, if they thought, if they thought and caught on to the fact that Judas was going to betray him, do you suppose they would let him walk out of there? Come on. Come on. You, you, you think Simon the Zealot would have let him get out of there? You think John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, would have let him get out of there? I think they just would have given him a tackle and a good beating and worried about the consequences later. You know, as though you have that, you have that, that whole uh, picture. And he just, he just was, was a good hypocrite. Now, Scripture doesn't record for us uh, Judas calling by Christ. We looked at some of the other apostles and how, uh, how Jesus called them. We don't have that picture here. The closest we have is when what we looked at in that Luke passage in the beginning when Jesus called him out from among, uh, as one of the other 11, when he called the 12 apostles out from among a larger group of disciples. That's what we had there in Luke chapter 6, the passage we started with. And as he calls him out, that's the closest we have to him calling him. But what we see there is he was a disciple, and he was a disciple by his own choice to follow Jesus. He was there by his own choice. You know, he, he, even, he even left his job to follow Jesus full time. We don't know what his job was before, but he was following Jesus full time. He even stayed when the other disciples left. In John chapter 6, when Jesus was giving so, a hard teaching, it says, you know, this teaching was hard. And, and it says many of the disciples left. Jesus looked at him and, and said, to the, said to his disciples, you're not going to leave too, are you? And that's when Peter replied. And Peter said, where else are we going to go? You have, the, you have the truth. You have the way of life. You know, we, where else are we going to go? Judas was one of the ones who stuck around then. He didn't leave at that time. Now, like the others, he was probably hoping at that point that, that Jesus would overthrow the Roman occupation, that Jesus would reestablish Israel's rule, that Israel would now, you know, be lifted up and, and the Roman rule, you know, would be, would be put down. But it seems that Judas wasn't drawn for spiritual reasons, you know, more what he would gain, what he would, you know, be able to be a part of there. And he chose to follow even though, you know, he had to put in that effort. And he was willing to put in whatever effort he needed to in order to hide his hypocrisy, in order to hide that. You see, we need to be honest and above board in our walk with God. 
Be honest and above board. Don't hide things. You know, don't pretend. It is much easier to deal with honest concerns than to pretend and just drift further away from God. It's much easier to deal with those honest concerns and just to pretend and to hide it and, and to end up drifting and getting further away from God. I had, we, we, you know, I had someone who used to come to church here um, and they used to call me all the time with questions and some of, some of the questions were like, you're kidding me, right? I mean, but, you know, I mean, they were honest questions. Okay, now they are going to another church, you know, and, and trying to raise their family, you know, for Christ, which is a good thing. Uh, but those honest questions, don't be afraid of honest questions. You know, it, it's much easier to deal with those than to drift away and have your heart be hardened by your hypocrisy to where you don't even listen then. Now, in the calling of all the apostles, we have that tension between human choice and divine sovereignty that goes on. Uh, the apostles freely responded, yet Jesus chose them. This is what he told them. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you, he said. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. We have that tension that goes in there. And while all, all 12 apostles were, were chosen, uh, Judas was chosen because he would betray Jesus. Judas was chosen because he would bring about the crucifixion. Do you have right there, you know, as God, Jesus knew this. This wasn't a surprise to Jesus. Judas' betrayal wasn't a surprise at all to him. Early in his time with the 12, he told him this. You know, Jesus, as he was speaking with him, Jesus said, didn't I choose you, the 12? Yet one of you is a devil. You see, he knew long before Judas began to put his plan in motion. His prayer after, the, after that final Passover meal together, and his prayer, part of what he prayed, is he says, while I was with them, I was protecting them by your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them is lost except the son of destruction, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. God wasn't surprised by this. The scriptures talk about one who would betray the Messiah, one who would betray the Christ. The scriptures talk about it. Earlier in the evening when they were sharing the Passover meal, Jesus referred uh, to Psalm 41 earlier that evening, where it says, even my friend, in, from Psalm 41, even my friend whom I trusted, one who ate my bread, has raised his heel against me. Uh, many feel that Psalm 55 talk, speaks about uh, the betrayal of Judas. It says, uh, Now it is not an enemy who insults me, otherwise I could bear it. It is not a foe who, is, who rises up against me, otherwise I could hide from him. But it is you, a man who is my peer, my companion, and a good friend. We used to have close fellowship. We walked with the crowd into the house of God. There's a picture of, 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 their, of their life together. It is Jesus would go into the temple and his apostles went with him. And Judas is going in there with him. In Matthew 27, it refers to Zechariah chapter 11, which says, Then I said to them, If it seems right to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. So they weighed my wages, 30 pieces of silver. Throw it to the potter, the Lord said to me. This magnificent price, I was valued by them. <clears throat> so I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. So Jesus, so Jesus knew Judas' role long before he ever selected Judas as an apostle. 
But Judas is the one who made the choice to betray Jesus. He wasn't coerced. He wasn't forced. It was his own greed, his own ambition, his own wickedness that led him to betray Jesus. God's plan and Judas's sinful choice, they, they just concur, they, they concurred perfectly. They just came together perfectly. Luke chapter uh, 22 says, for the Son of Man will go away as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Judas did it for evil. God used it for good. God used this evil act for good. For the salvation of many. Judas did what he did because his heart was not open to God. Be careful not to close your heart to God. Be careful you don't close your heart to God. You know, Judas had the same opportunities as the other disciples. Jesus even gave him many opportunities to choose differently. He gave him opportunities to choose faith. He gave him opportunities to choose obedience. Instead, he chose to sin. He heard every lesson Jesus taught. He heard, the par- he heard the parable of the unjust steward. He heard the message of the wedding feast. Uh, he heard Jesus' teaching about the problems of the love of money. He heard Jesus teach against greed. He heard Jesus teach against pride. We need to learn from what God teaches and does with others. We need to learn as he works with others. Do you want to make every mistake yourself? Man, I don't. I remember you know, the, the wisdom of a Bazooka Joe comic because this was on a Bazooka Joe comic I, I read one time, and I still remember I was reading it. I was standing in in, uh, in Ed's. Well, it was technically Sylvia's grocery store. It was a little neighborhood, little neighborhood store, you know, that we used to have more of than we do now. And I was standing there, and uh, you know, opened up my bazooka that you could you could you know buy the bazooka gum when all wrapped up, and open it up, and there was a bazooka Joe comic, and then underneath there was always some little phrase or saying, and it said um, it, what it said in there was um, learn by other you know uh, how was it worded? Ah, heck, I had it before I started the story. Anyway, uh, you know, learn from others' mistakes, you know, so you don't have to live them all yourself. And I thought, man, we need to. My brother learned everything the hard way, so it seemed. You know, and I just shook my head so many times. You know, watching him, some of the stuff he went through. Learn from how God works with others. Now, we already saw Jesus very clearly told them, one of you is the devil. And here he says, you know, woe. You know, he said, woe to the man who betrays him. Uh, Judas never opened his heart to Jesus. He never opened his heart to what, what Jesus taught. Even though he saw Jesus' miracles, even though he saw Jesus' power over the demons, he still, we have no indication he ever opened his heart. At the last Passover meal, uh, Jesus gave Judas one more chance to turn his heart away from sin. Uh, you know, the passage we looked at in John 12, you know, it seems to have been that last straw for Judas. When Jesus offered him, you know, and, and told him, you know, he had that opportunity to turn. He had that opportunity not to betray Jesus. 
Matthew tells us what happened after that event. It says, then one of the twelve, the man called Judas Iscariot, this is after the event we read about where Jesus was, was with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It says, the man called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, what are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they weighed out 30 pieces of silver for him. And from that time, he started looking for a good opportunity to betray him. So G Judas leaves the gathering at Lazarus' home in Bethany, and he walks that mile and a half to Jerusalem, and he met with the chief priest, and he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. The price of a slave at that time. And that's what he betrays Jesus for. The same night others were honoring Jesus is the night that Judas betrays Jesus. Others are honoring Jesus. Judas is betraying him. Mary shows overwhelming love, and Judas shows a loathing hatred. You know, maybe he was disillusioned because Jesus wasn't making that move to overthrow the Romans. Maybe he wasn't moving fast enough. Don't expect God to meet your expectations. He expected something different of Jesus. Don't expect God to meet your expectations. You know why? He's God. You're not. He's God and you're not. He knows the answer. He knows the way. He knows how all of these jumbled up, goofed up pieces fit together. He knows not only what has gone by, he knows what's coming. Don't expect him to meet your expectations. Realize that he is God and that you're not. Well, Judas returns after this and he blends back in with the other apostles so well they never, they never expected his betrayal at all. And John 13 records that final event of the apostles' time together with Jesus, that final Passover, the Last Supper. And if you remember, during that time, uh, they were, well, they were discussing who then would be Jesus' right-hand man. That was one of the things that was going on at the Last Supper. They're discussing and arguing about who it was that was going to sit at Jesus' right hand there. And uh, Jesus gets up from the table, if you remember, gets up from the meal, and he, it says he girded himself with a towel and he picked up a basin and he went and he washed the apostles' feet. And he washed Judas' feet. It wasn't just the other 11. He washed, he washed Judas' feet as well. Peter objects, you know, and as, as Peter objects, uh, you know, Judas seems totally unmoved. Uh, Peter objects, and, and Jesus tells him, he says, uh, you know, one who is bathed doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he is completely clean. You are all clean, but you, you are already clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. That's why he said you're not all clean. And Judas sat there, totally unmoved. When God points out an area in your life, pay attention to it. And follow him. Pay attention and follow him. Judas ignored again another opportunity. 
And then several hours later, under the cover of darkness, Judas leads a group of Roman soldiers and temple guards to the garden, and they arrest Jesus. And Judas betrays him with a kiss. Not because he had to at that point, because Jesus had already stepped forward when they said, who are you after? And Jesus already stepped forward and said that he was the one. But then Judas still betrays him with a kiss. Now, we do know how Judas died. Uh, we're told in Matthew 27, turn there, if you will, page 916. This is, this is the, the uh, recording of Judas' death, of how he passed. Matthew 27, page 916 in your pew Bible. This is after, well, you'll see here, it's, it's after the arrest and all. Matthew 27, beginning with first verse. When daybreak came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. After tying him up, they led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was full of remorse, not repentance. He was full of remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I've sinned by betraying innocent blood, he said. What is that to us, they said. See to it yourself. So he threw the silver into the sanctuary and departed. Then he went and hanged himself. The chief priest took the silver and said, It is not lawful to put it into the temple treasury. All of a sudden they have a somewhat of a conscience there. Uh, since it is blood money. So they conferred together and bought a potter's field with it as a burial place for foreigners. Therefore, that field has been called blood field to this day. Then what was spoken through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. And here's what Jeremiah saying. They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him whose price was set by the Israelites, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. We get a few more details in Acts chapter 1. It says, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled that this is as they're getting ready to choose another apostle, that the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of David, spoke in advance about Judas, who became a guide to those who, rest, who arrested Jesus, for he was one of our number and was allotted a share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with his unrighteous wages. He fell head first and burst open in the middle, and all his insides spilled out. There's a picture for you. Now, it says he acquired a field with this money. Some people say, well, I thought he threw it back into the temple. He did, but as you read, they said, we can't put this back into the treasury. So what they did with that money is they went and they bought a field, and it couldn't be in their name. It couldn't be in the temple's name. It was in Judas's name. In their minds, it was Judas's money. And so that became his field. Now, you know, this is the last apostle we're looking at, and we've been looking, you know, and seeing some examples to follow as we looked at the apostles. Uh, don't be like this guy. You know, don't, don't be like him. Judas is a reminder to us, you know, that it is possible, you know, it is possible to appear religious. It's even possible to appear to have a very sincere commitment to Christ. You know, it's, it's possible to be near Christ. It's, a, it's possible to be associated with him closely and yet be totally hardened by sin. 
See, it's possible to know things about God. It's possible to agree even that Jesus is God. It's possible even to say that Jesus died on the cross for sins. It is possible to say all of those things and never open your heart to God. It is possible to say those things and continue to be hardened by sin. Don't be this guy. Don't be that guy. Follow Christ. Follow what he has to say. Open your heart to him. Open your life to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for those who have shared the gospel with us. We thank you for the way that you have touched our lives. Now we're all here, Father. I can't assume that everyone has their heart open to you, though. That's what they assumed about Judas. But I can't assume that you are talking to us now, that your word is true. I I can't assume that what you are making available is available to all of us, no matter how far we feel we may have strayed, no matter how off the mark we feel we are. Father, continue to touch us. Don't let us wander. Don't let us stray. Call us to you. Work in our hearts. Open them more. We don't want to close off any part of our life to you. Don't let us be so foolish, Lord. Thank you for your love and your wisdom. Thank you for the, what you have told us that you, whenever we confess our sin, you're faithful, you're just, you'll forgive us, you'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You will allow us to, to come to you. Help us to follow Help us to be yours in all we do and in all we are, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.